Hey everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You are listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a problem that costs companies $2 trillion per year and they don't even know about it. It's called revenue leakage. Enjoy. So, um, which, oh, Jaco. Humility Ooh. was on. Yes. Yeah, that was a great conversation, actually. That was a great conversation. I mean, it's not that you have a conversation with him more so than him having a conversation at you. Yeah. <laughs> While playing techno music. Um, no, but I mean, this was this was a fucking fantastic show. Yeah. With Jaco, and I can tell you, folks, we are only getting started with this. So we obviously pushed some of the bangers out immediately, Udi and Jaco. Uh, we have some others. But it will keep on, what, banging? <laughs> <laughs> we're, probably, just, we're probably that, that coming we'll, from you. We'll keep on, we will keep on uh, presenting some insanely awesome folks. Um, really looking forward to that. You know, there's a saying when the competition is making a mistake, don't get in the way. That was kind of the moment we were having. It's just like, sure. you know, I'm just going to lean back and enjoy this moment. Yeah. But you are right. I think um, I think this is a really nice facet to the show, not just you and I sitting in our little bubble. Also hearing perspective from others. What do you mean? Others. What do you have against me? Nothing. Nothing at okay, all. Okay. Boss, yeah. I respect you and admire you. No. <laughs> Paycheck provider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, uh, so that's been cool. We're going to do more of that. Uh, we probably have uh, at least, I will say, uh, almost, yeah, about a couple of months booked already, yep. uh, which is cool. And it's just going to get crazier and crazier. Like I said, at some point, maybe we get Mark Benioff on the show. Yep. But anyway, speaking of having guests on, uh, the other day we were setting up the studio for guests. And you might not have noticed, but there's a lot of sand on the floor over here we basically have this massive light it's a called like a light dome so you can check it out on youtube but to make sure it doesn't fall over we literally have bags with sand holding it out yeah now now you're looking for the sand but there was a leak in one of the bags this is no joke there is sand on the floor this is not a setup for the segway it's not but there was leakage and i just so find Michael, it what i would like to understand why why are you going out and punching holes into sandbags <laughs> just just to make a someone point. had put it on upside down so apparently then it couldn't hold, yeah. contain the sand yeah. but you know it's a great segue because we're going to talk about revenue leakage yeah. and it's all the rave at least sometimes on linkedin i see it quite frequently pop up yeah. and i was wondering what is it <laughs> can you tell us what is revenue leakage so it has to do with the sandbag uh, yeah 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 no. thank you so let's just say traditionally uh, revenue leakage is seen as uh, a finance term mm. and really revenue in the sense of, you know, the actual revenue, recognized revenue, not, not ARR stuff that we're sometimes talking about. But in this case, traditionally, this is about you have booked a deal, a contract is signed, you are sending out invoices in order to collect that cash, and then you're collecting that cash. Those three numbers should be the exact same. What happens in uh, a lot of cases, a lot of a lot of cases, is that those numbers aren't the same, that you don't actually invoice what you've booked and they don't collect what you've invoiced, right? And in finance terms, this is why uh, ENY, Sir Ernst Young, um, and, and BCG actually did some research around this, 
but this is what has previously been referred to as revenue leakage. Um, and this is now getting a little bit expanded, right? So because it's um, it's not only you know what you've booked and invoiced and uh, and then collected, it actually goes further out the funnel into both both directions of the uh, the bow tie, if you will. So it's kind of the opposite of me telling my wife I'm going to go shopping for hunting equipment. I'm only going to spend a couple of thousand and come back with okay, mm. great, good. So um, what I was wondering is how big is this issue actually? How yeah. big of a problem is it? Yeah. So ENY, they are saying that, and we're talking actual companies, not mm. 10 million SARS, we're growing real fast. No, like real companies um, see between five to f one to five percent points on the EBITDA, you know, for everyone, that means profit. That's money that you're actually <laughs> it's making. It's something we need to know now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and BCG estimates that annually $2 trillion dollars uh, literally leaking away, yeah. Uh, so we this is this is a major problem. Mm. It's it's I mean it's a pretty big thing. Yeah. And then one of our favorite uh, vendors in the space, Clary, uh, actually did some research, and I'm sure they used like a forester or like a um, yeah, uh, like a gardener, and they actually found that north of 14% of your ARR can be identified as revenue leakage, meaning you could have grown 14% more year over year. If you had solved all the revenue leakage issues that might exist in your, you know, your pipeline and so forth. Yeah. So it's, I guess, super relevant these days with everything that's happening to maybe look a bit at whether there's some leakage happening at your business. Yeah, for sure. And the th the the funny thing is, right, when you when you think about where E and Y and BCG start, you know, and you you just visualize the bow tie in front of you. Uh, where they start is really in the very much in in the middle, where the bow tie has the little knot, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great episode. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, that's that's a two trillion problem right there. Yeah. Then Clary, which are basically doing you know pipeline management forecasting, both new biz, existing biz, putting this at you know fifteen percent roughly. But if you really go all the way out, yeah. Uh, you know, meeting, booking you know, leads, calls, emails, everything that's happening, renewal, signals, activation, yeah. you know, implementation done, you know, pre-sales, post-sales. If you look at all of those different pieces, I think we will need to ask Gartner and Forrester to look at that and tell us how much percentage <laughs> that would be. But if if the if the core of the bow tie is two trillion, then you know, looking at the full thing end to end, I mean, yeah. we can only guess what that number would be. So that's a lot of money, potentially. And yeah. so the other thing is also, I'm wondering what are some, yeah, sorry, what are some examples actually of, of revenue leakage? Because it can mean a lot of things, like you said, it can either be in the middle of the knot, right? But I'm curious to see what are some some real examples just to paint that picture as well. So current, ex so examples that, you know, come to mind is obviously this whole uh, CPQ space, if you will, right? You you sign a deal, you invoice, you get the deal. Mm. Um, sure, you need, this should be systemized. It shouldn't be Excel and, and all of that stuff. I think forecasting vendors then pushing the problem a little bit further out and then becomes deals are slipping. Yeah. Uh, they're under over forecasted. Pipeline management isn't in place. You're spending time on the wrong deals, that kind of stuff. And um, uh, really kind of going further out than that though, which yeah. is really... You know, all your different conversion rates throughout the funnel, not just opportunity open to close, but everything that happens before. 
which is even more so a problem for um, non-enterprise B2B, yeah. SaaS, everything from mid-market down, B2C, kind of the whole thing, right? And then you have uh, things around uh, sales engagement, you know, how many calls, how many of this, are this in the right industry, are they booking the right amount, uh, are the handovers working well, uh, yeah. is performance management in place uh, on the marketing side, and which channels do we deploy cash, you know, what are we bidding on, what is coming through, what is working, what is not working, is the demo request form up. <laughs> it's up, Tony, it's working up, Tony. <laughs> So basically, the entire revenue architecture, yeah, and all then, the moving then, parts. Then go within. to the other side, right? You know, are the activations for the uh, the, the customers on track? Are the yeah. implementations on track? Do we have enough people to cover pre-sales? Do we have enough people to cover, you know, our customer base? We, yeah, like all of that stuff, right? This is just adding to this leakage problem, really, that exists. Yeah, right. Let's just say some of those aren't, you know, solved yet that well. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, peel the onion a little bit back and say, hey, this you can solve like this, this you can yeah. solve like that. But this is really when you think about examples for this issue, yeah. it's really broad, right? And yeah. again, I really hope all the all the people listening here don't have that problem, but chances are you totally have. Yeah, like there's 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 very little way around this, and uh, uh, and again, right? So. 15% of your revenue, you yourself can decide, is this is this a big problem that I'm having or is it not a big problem, yeah, right? Yeah. But uh, really kind of there's almost a thousand different examples here uh, and some of them might apply more to SMB folks, to enterprise folks, to B2C folks, to kind of all the whole spectrum. Um, but there are lots of those examples out there. So aren't there, I mean, we talked a bit about it obviously beforehand, but, you know, aren't there any solutions really that help with this stuff today? So again, right for the for the CPQ stuff, you can buy CPQ software. Yeah. For your forecasting, you can buy forecasting software. For the rest of the bow tie, um, I think uh, no. I mean, you know, this is where we maybe kind of do the Groblox plug and everything. But I, I don't think I don't think there's anything out there that actually uh, tries and help you spot and prevent revenue leakage across across your full funnel across your bow tie. I don't think that exists right now. No. Mm. Okay. So if you're Bought into the problem. You're sitting in revenue operations and think, okay, so revenue leakage, there's a lot of potential money there uh, that we want to go now and, and salvage, protect, mm -hmm. yep. proof, whatever. How do we go about it? How do we fix it? Because it's, you know, it, it seems kind of elusive. It's anything within your revenue architecture. Yeah. Um, you know, revenue, you kind of put it the other day when we were talking, it's like revenue you are owed, yeah. kind of, right? Yeah. Um, so how do you go about it? How should you think about it if you're re revenue operations? So I think I would try and split it apart into three different areas. One could be obviously revenue itself, yeah, yeah your revenue engine and the, the revenue generating process. One could be costs, basically kind of the resources you need to spend in order to generate that revenue. And if you're able to cut some of the cost away, that means you can take that money and put it into revenue generating, you know, more revenue gener generating roles. And then the last one, taking the, the engine even further apart and looking how long some of these steps take yeah. and obviously realizing that time is both resource consuming but it's also revenue delaying, Yeah. right? So I, I would kind of, uh, I would suggest to look at those three areas independently. And I think there are also different ways to take them and, and try and fix them, right? Yeah. Let me maybe start with time as as an example and we have 
someone that's going to be in the special episode uh this week this week yeah uh so I I just we have so many guests i yeah, have to. <laughs> I, I don't want to take too much away from that but uh so he is a pretty fantastic guy uh working with lots of different portfolio companies and he actually kind of told us a story um about one of them and please listen to the episode much more golden nuggets in there than this year but he was basically talking about uh, was either a legal or procurement process something like that and uh basically this took for them six weeks and had lots of people, seven people working on this, right? Yeah. Because they're in parallel, they had to kind of, you know, you know, work through those deals together. And he applied uh, lean, so lean the lean methodology to the process. Mm. Uh, ran a workshop, blah blah blah, all really really interesting. And basically, then was able to break it down, I think, to one week. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then obviously was able to do that job instead of with seven folks with mm. two or three something like that. So they basically congratulated the team and say, hey, now we can let five of you go. <laughs> no, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, 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 that corner is sometimes hard to, hard to make in the end. But uh, in, a, in a more objective world, that basically means those four uh, resources, which were highly paid resources, by the way, yeah. they can now be used for other purposes. Yes. Right? And again, you know, it has two impacts here. One is really on the cost side, obviously, mm. but the other one is really on the time side. Suddenly... It even became a competitive advantage for them to be yeah. able to turn around and offer and you know this 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 piece so quickly for a potential customer, and go from hey this is the vendor of choice to here's signature basically right, and um, and those two things in, in in combination are extremely powerful and yes this is one thousand percent revenue leakage right yeah, there. Yeah. Right? So actually that's not the guy I messed up. It's not the guy going out this week, but it'll come. There's another cool guy. We so just FYI. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Next. <laughs> wow. So this was the... You need to figure out how you want to cut this. Yeah, this is going to be terrible. Um, so um, so this was a time example. And I think those kind of analysis, you won't do every day. This no. is those. You know, the, you look at the whole thing, you you single out what's not working, yeah. and then you try and break it down and, and, and speed it up, right? And you can use all kinds of different methodologies in order to achieve this. Um, but that's that will be an on-project basis kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, this will not be ongoing. And I think we even talked about, for example, with stuff like ramp time, it's just a major efficiency driver. People don't see that often. And that is, again, you know, there's a lot of revenue being left on the table when it comes to time, whether it's ramp time or turnover time, mm -hmm. uh, sales on, cycles, on the sales everything. cycle yeah. length, right? So, so it is a massive competitive advantage for yes. sure. Moving on to the next one, which is cost. Mm. And... This can be as simple as, oh, actually, we only need that CSM one month later. Yeah. Uh, and every, by the way, as revenue ops, as CRO, every time you find something like that, that's literally 5,000 bucks in your pocket, right? This could be five more opportunities, yeah. could be, you know, whatever. So this can be, this can be pushed out, uh, you know, sometimes, or it might be, you know, other things. Hey, we actually have enough quota coverage. We don't need that A yet. Yeah, or yeah. it could be the a super aggressive plan for the year. And as you walk through it, you realize, shit, you know, we're not hitting the plan. That does also mean we actually don't need those folks, right? So this can be one way of kind of thinking about costs in a sense. Another example here is really from, you know, Chris Walker. And he's been talking about this a lot, um, you know, through through his channels you totally follow the guy, by the way. And one of his ongoing and, you know, super key examples is this uh, obsession 
uh, of people with MQLs. Yeah. And let's get more MQLs. Let's buy more MQLs. We have an MQL target. I mean, to hit the MQL target, right? <laughs> um, and what people obviously do in order to achieve that is they get more and more creative in how to get to that MQL target. Yeah, and yeah. really what that means is they're buying shittier and shittier MQLs, right? The quality of that is decreasing. Um, sometimes we refer to this as uh, webinar leads or uh, white paper leads, which in, in and of themselves is not a bad thing. It's just what do you do with them then, yeah. right? And that actually goes to his point. He then talks about, well, what many people are doing is someone signed up for this webinar and then they get a call the next day from this SDR. Yeah. yeah? And they not only get one call, they get you know plenty of calls. Yeah. And obviously the conversion rate of those MQLs will be pretty terrible because no one is ready to buy. It's like, hey, <laughs> I just wanted to watch this thing, and and now you're you know in my inbox all day long. And uh, you know, yes, you call those one hundred or one thousand leads, and you get maybe one or two deals out of them. And then guess what? You give those deals then to the AE team, and they process that stuff, and nothing comes out of that either. So. Yes, you might have been able to drive down your MQL cost. Uh, you still accumulated a lot of money that didn't drive any valuable MQLs. Yeah, yeah. But that's actually not it. Uh, the, the downstream cost is also pretty significant. You now spend those SDR hours on going through those MQLs, and then you wasted AE's hours to go through those MQLs. And you know, if you were to visualize this as, as a funnel, that whole chunk of the funnel that is not yeah. only MQLs to ops to one, but also the cost associated to that uh, in terms of um, ad spend, in terms of SDRs, in terms of AEs, you could have basically saved all of that cash and redeployed it either nowhere. Yeah, in the yeah. current time, it could go nowhere, by the way, or you would have redeployed it into other tactics, other strategies rather than this MQL buying bullshit. And again, this is one way how you can spot and prevent revenue leakage, right? Mm -hmm. Because it really... Uh, once once you take once you take that money and redeploy it somewhere else, that's really where you then realize, okay, wait a minute, I could have taken this and very easily this is a million bucks, but yeah, yeah, very yeah. easily. Yeah. Um you could have taken this and, and, and put it into other tactics, other strategies, and that then with your usual CAC payback, not with this diluted CAC payback, but with your usual CAC payback could have resulted in everything between 500k to 1.5 million additional revenue. You know yeah. that that year or for that for that time period, and this is basically you know the opposite of running a tight ship and you know running a precise business. This is allowing revenue leakage to happen, yeah. and this is again right a thing that you could have done, should have done that. Oh, you know, to a degree you were owed, yeah. but you failed to. Right. Yeah. So this is this is kind of a cost way of thinking about about revenue leakage. And it's funny, like it's such a powerful thing to <laughs> you're basically finding money that are just being burned that you can use for for acquiring customers elsewhere and i remember we had we had the same we implemented a tool that enabled us to see the efficiency of our paid channels and we basically saw that a channel we were spending you know a six digit amount on quarterly was just returning nothing mm -hmm. nada we could take that money and redeploy it to a way more efficient channel and that is really uh just to make the case a little bit more real one of those yeah those examples no, exactly, and you know, you know, we, we can go further into the marketing world and this stuff, but it's um, it really just is one example. Yeah, right? it happens There's, everywhere. It's you could take it and say like, hey, the the SDRs are calling into this industry, and it's just not converting, neither for the SDRs, nor for the AEs, nor nor for the customer side. Maybe we should take this money and move that somewhere else, right? Yeah. There, there's so many ways where you can say like, hey, we're not doing the right things. We should reallocate or redeploy or refocus those resources. Yeah. 
And that, you know, to a degree is, is cost creep or, or revenue leakage that's happening there, right? So we covered time, we, we covered cost. Let's go to the revenue engine itself. And here I have like one example of someone in a 150 million business. And this was really, again, marketing team, but this is Aww. like a RevOps example. It's all the issues always with marketing, <laughs> um, And basically product team was pushing out a new, a new product, but the way it was bundled and sold was in a way where you could only buy it in combination with another another part of of that offering mm -hmm. right marketing didn't know that or maybe we did know and 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 just no one chose listened. to <laughs> chose to not know it as marketing does yeah. and and uh, they started bidding fairly aggressively on keywords surrounding that product yeah. it makes kind of total sense and um, but obviously then people signing up and then running through a demo realized, oh, wait a minute, I can't get this without also buying this other thing that I actually really don't want. <laughs> yeah. um, and suddenly conversion rates dropped off a cliff. Yeah. <clears throat> Marketing wakes up one morning, looks at those conversion rates, and it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what is, you know, these sales guys? Yeah, lazy. Lazy sales yeah. guys, they're not picking up fast enough, yada, yada, yada. Why, why are conversion rates tanking? You know, yeah. this is messing with the whole model. We would need to have more MQLs or whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever. What, what is going on sales? And then obviously this, uh, you, know, uh, you know, guy came in to his RevOps leader there to check what's going on. And he realized after quite some digging, and we're not talking like, you know, one Excel report and, ah, well, that's what it is. <laughs> no, it's, you know, quite some digging, figuring out that, um, oh, wait a minute, these guys bid on this, set of keywords aggressively in order to acquire those MQLs that then didn't convert, that is actually what the problem is, right? This yeah. logically doesn't make sense. Um, they stopped that, see their conversion rates bounce back to uh, where they used to be. Um, and this was kind of a, you know, you didn't fully quantify it, but we're talking like half a million, million dollar loss. I mean, this is a big organization, right? Yeah. Uh, ju just because of this thing happening and, and not being seen. And this is this is one of those things where you monitor conversion rate, it drops, and then you investigate, and then you maybe find, and so forth. And and think about think about how much money was ticking out of this organization per day. Yeah. You know, think about that for a second. And uh, and then you can this is just one example yeah. for like a company that is 150 uh, million. Uh, that that happened there, and uh, and that is that is kind of in the in the revenue realm, if you will. Yeah, yeah. It's basically the equivalent of setting a very expensive car on fire and <laughs> just watching the flames. This is the equivalent. I don't know why I'm so dark today, by the way. It's crazy. I don't know. It's a Danish thing. But so so anyway, um, so you're saying cost, time, revenue. Those are the three elements yeah. you kind of need to look at as RevOps. Yeah. But how in practice is that going to work yeah. out? So I think the time piece, you know what? look at the funnel, look at all the different things and look at the stuff that takes really long time and then investigate and try and improve it. This can be things that are general sales cycle topics. Yeah. Uh, this can be things like onboarding topics. We referred sometimes to this book, What Unicorns Know. There's like an example of Gainsight. They were able to cut this down by quite a lot. Mm. Um, and, and you know, look look for those things that take a lot of time because that would also then mean lots of resources being deployed, lots of time wasted. Yeah. And that might be a great spot to jump in, right? Obviously, you might have some things where you have lots of conversions happening even in split seconds. 
and there's something there yeah. that you know process wise isn't isn't working out. But ideally, you wanna you wanna have some kind of an idea what the revenue impact of this is, right? Because yeah. every time aspect you can price in to a mm-hmm. degree, right? But this could be an analysis yeah. kind of thing, right? Don't get me wrong. This is with thinking and looking at stuff and scratching your chin. This this is how you can get there. I think on the cost side, this will require a little bit more digging and actually understanding of your whole revenue engine, right? This is, I think, where Chris Walker is so successful with that story and that message because it's not obvious. Um, and many people are doing it. It's kind of a, a very much a you know given practice. But you know, as you inspect your funnel, you might find those things, right? So we've talked about this many times. Do a CAC payback analysis based on the different channels. You know, do it based on the different channels and regions and and what whatever. You know, slice and dice your whole thing. Understand what's working well, what's not working well. Once you figure out what's not working well, figure out why it isn't working well. Yeah. Um, and then either fix it. Um, or redeploy cash, yeah. right? Um, so this is what you can do, and you should be doing this as much as you can, um, but sh- you know, surely on an annual, quarterly kind of basis, uh, yeah. definitely. And and then in a case like this, where you're literally hiring and rehiring people, uh, firing and rehiring people, um, you, you, I mean, this is a strategic thing, yeah. right? And and that's why also. This is one of those examples where use of revenue operations can have a massive strategic impact. Right? Yeah, I think on the revenue thing, it's let's so obvious what the solution is. Yeah, yeah? we we don't want to go too right hooky and say, hey, grow blocks. But yes, kind of we we're building in that direction. We have built quite some stuff around it. And uh, you know what what I wanted to kind of to break apart kind of how we're thinking about these uh, these different revenue pieces. But basically, you have. Uh, when you when you look at your whole your whole data stack, and we're talking everything CRM and you know your gain side and your Marketo, but also your Gong and your Sales Loft and you know your Google Analytics and whatever, mm. you have so much data floating around, right? Yeah. Um, if you take the whole piece together, what you will find is only five five maybe ten percent is fully structured and trustworthy, right? That's why data quality is always such a big issue. Everyone is talking about, oh, my data is shit. Yeah. And as, as we talked in other episodes, well, not 100% of your data needs to be good and to get value out of it. Yeah. Um, what we're seeing with most of our customers, you know, 5 to 10% typically is what people are actually kind of okay with. And that might be aggregates or it might be, you know, other, other ways of, uh, uh, of accumulating the data instead of every single piece of data point, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you have the 95%, which is basically everything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and the way we're actually thinking about this is the the structured data. This is stuff that you should be looking um, at from a monitoring perspective, yeah? which means you should be setting targets for how they should perform mm. um, and you should be monitoring them daily. Yeah. You know, in some cases, maybe it doesn't make sense daily. I totally agree with that. But generally, you kind of your, your cadence should be daily around that stuff. Yeah. And then you will see what's going well, what's not going well, right? We talked about this a lot. You need to have a bit of a model behind it. You need to have a direction for that data, right? Because if your leads are flat, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, it needs to have a direction towards your revenue target, right? Yeah. And if it's not trending towards that, it needs to go red, right? So this is the monitoring piece around that. Number two, you know, this is. Maturity level one. I just say it like that. Uh, maturity level two is really to go from hey, here are the top level pieces, yeah, and be looking at them in a regular fashion. 
you actually want to break them down and down and down and down, right? You want to get out of those five to ten percent data. You want to squeeze all the juice you can get yeah, out yeah. of those, which really means combining different dimensions, breaking into additional dimensions, you know, adding different steps and so forth. And that gets really complicated really fast because you also want to have an expectation for each of these different steps, for each of the month, for each of the dimensions and so forth. Right, and I think uh, maturity level one and two, I think this is something that, so one, you can do with Excel, period, and, and yeah, AI. Yeah. Uh, two, you will need a tool like Roblox in order to kind of reach that maturity level. And then really the, the next step is something that we are referring to sometimes as revenue observability. Mm. So when you when you Google observability right now, so what you will find is folks like PagerDuty, Datadog. We're talking like you know billion dollar yeah. revenue, massive companies, right? And they're like ten years old or something like this. Yeah. And uh, what they have been doing, you know, for the longest time, and you know, probably for quite a lot longer is basically creating observability tooling for developers yeah? to say like, okay, listen, you have all of those servers, you have all of those tools, you have all of those data streams, load time, whatever, telemetry, whatever yeah. words come to mind that no one understands, but that's what they're basically you know, observing yeah. without anyone in the organization having set necessarily a target for it, right? Yeah. Because it's all the stuff that's so under the hood. So yeah. from a revenue perspective, we would call it the 95%. Yeah where you, you can't trust it, you don't know really what's going on, but when something is suddenly spiking, you'd be like, that's probably not good, Yeah. right? And, uh, and those companies basically uh, deploy that for your, for your software stack, yeah. and then ping you like, boom, hey, here's something off. We don't really know why, we don't really know how bad the problem is, but mm. some, you should probably look yeah. at this, right? <laughs> it's like going to the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Yeah. And... That same stuff you actually also want to have for your revenue engine, which yeah, is something yeah. that you know we as Growblocks building towards, right? Yeah. You wanna you wanna be able to understand and see where are things um, going wrong that you didn't even think about, you know, thinking of yeah, basically, yeah. right? It's the unaware stuff, and you want to have that lifted up, you know, quite quickly for you. And uh, those are the I think the the three main buckets, mm. um, and. Everyone on this planet is in bucket one, yeah. by the way. Then there are very, very few in bucket two. <laughs> and that's some. <laughs> and then there's no one in bucket three. Right? Yeah. Bucket three simply doesn't exist yet. And uh, I think this is this is how that that problem kind of breaks down. And I can tell you just, uh, you know, my experience receiving, going from getting the first dashboard from Revenue Operations to then the second, going like from level one to level two is a massive difference. Massive yeah. difference. Like sure... We, when you go to level one, probably you're just going for from a, let's say, a spreadsheet, honestly, to BI. Mm. And it was just very shallow. You couldn't do anything. It's like you're getting asked, well, why are we behind on opportunities for marketing? It's like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't have the answer here. Yeah. You see the same as me, right? But then when you went to level two, that's when you started getting dimensions and yeah. filters and even additional tools to provide more data, such as attribution, attribution right? Yeah. And that's when you can start making smarter decisions. And I just wonder if, you know, if you go from using, let's say, 5% to 10% of your data to mm. using all of it, what kind of crazy things are you going to start? No, and suddenly, suddenly these 15% doesn't seem like such a crazy number anymore, right? No. No, no, exactly. Right? No, it's like, the no, I, I, can, yeah. I can see 15% across the bow tie. I can yeah. totally see that stuff that I'm, you know, if, I'm, if, you, if you think about this iceberg, you know, 
analogy, mm. um, the five percent is not even the tip of the iceberg. It's no. the <laughs> it's the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have uh, the rest of the iceberg that sticks out the water, and then yeah. you have all the rest that is. Yeah, below, yeah. Right? Um, and and I think this is this is where uh, where um, you, you know when you think about uh, manufacturing, mm. you know, building machines. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where they have been for the last 20, 30, 40 years. I don't know. Yeah. Right? They've been like really good. And because why? Well, if people use it and it blows up, people die. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they were pretty serious about this. Yeah. Then this thing went into into software development. Because yeah, that also sucks if this uh, if this service doesn't work out for you anymore and you know all your customers are affected. And I guess what we are heralding here is that the next level of evolution in this direction will be your your revenue factory line, mm. right? Which really needs that needs that level of sophistication to it in order to make sure it runs as it as it should. So I did the intro. You do the outro. It's your turn. We have a strict schedule for this kind of stuff. It's the outro. And now the pressure is on so you. So wrapping up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wrap it up. Take us home. We, we, we talked about revenue leakage today. Uh, we went into the size of the problem. We went into, if you really if you really apply it, what are the different options to, to fix some of that stuff? And then obviously we end up with the massive issue that is surrounding your revenue engine. And I think every single person listening to this can probably now go off and be like, you know what? I know there's 15% minimum sitting out here. Yeah, I'm going to find let's, it. Let's fucking go. Yeah, I'm going to find yeah. it. I mean, that's promotion right there. If you go to your zero and it's like, hey, I've just found 15% of our time wasted in, you know, this function. We can cut it like that. Then it's like, okay, great. Let's go. Yeah, that's exactly what it's going to be. No, but um, no, this is this is the wrap for the, for the session here, Nicole. Great. So did you... Um, did so I after <laughs> after after the sandbag leaked, yeah, is it still leaking or did you fix it or what did you do? Yeah, turn it upside down again. The other you know way, what? downside up. Downside. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, fixed it. It's there. I didn't clean up though. I was okay. done. Yeah. Thank you, Tony. Sorry, Bart. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of stuff in post. I'm sure. Bye, bye, Mikkel. <laughs> Thanks everyone for watching, listening. Bye, bye. Bye.